Okay. <laughs> Are we, am I recording? Oh, cool. Hi, hi everyone. Hi, hi everyone. Uh, you know where I am. I'm Carl. This is the one where. And the, and the hot. And the fucking hell. I can't do an intro. <laughs> I told you I can't do an intro. I told you. In the hot seat today, we got Sam Rhodes. Hi, Sam. How are you? Oh, there, squad. Do you want me to do a little intro for you? <laughs> yes, please. Do you want to do an intro? Do you want to do it? This, you intro to camera. Yeah. Right. Here we go. Do it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the one where, where comedians sit down and talk about their favorite sitcoms and their influence on the world. Can you just, can I just do you that? You can cut that out and stick that at the Thank beginning you. of things. That's Thank fine. You. I mean, you won't be getting paid for it because I can't. Mate, um, I never get paid for nothing. I'm, I'm used to it. It's fine. That's fine. That's wicked. How have you been, man? I am good, man. I'm I'm knackered today. I've got to be honest. But why, are you na- why are you knackered you, today? Oh, we just, uh, just as well as all the work we're doing, I, I don't want to start on a heavy note, but the wife is a refugee. So we're actually oh. suing the home office. So oh, good on her. As well, yes. as doing, as well as doing lots of work, we're also uh, deep in some legal wranglings. Are you allowed to talk about the legal wranglings? Or not I'll really? probably, I probably shouldn't, but I do. No. Okay. You know what I mean? Fair enough. I've ah. also been asked to join the Masons, and I shouldn't talk about that, but Ooh. I have been. Ah. <laughs> have, have you joined the Masons? Have you? I'm being wined and dined at the moment. They're, they're ah. interested. Ah, okay. Because I've got, uh, I've got, I might, I may, I may or may not have. Well, we won't talk about this on. <laughs> it's fine. We'll just do the handshake at the yeah. end, Sharon. How do we do? How do we do the handshake? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it on camera, right? All here. right. So you do this, right? And then you turn the fingers round and you do a little yeah. thumb walk. Four, four, three, four. I and then the guy who's walk. higher yeah. up in the lodge has to yeah. win. So yeah. you win. Yeah. And there you go. Oh, wicked. So I'm I'm a level five mason. That's right. Yeah. Now you're in. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> I didn't realise it was that simple. It is. Yeah. Like the Illuminati make it seem like so hard. So hard. <laughs> So when did so is that, is that, this is the weirdest intro? I know it's, it's an amazing. odd start, isn't it? But that's I what you get when you book me. Oh, I love it, man! I love it. So where to where to begin? Where to begin? Right? I've always wanted to ask you when this is a. I really I don't know. I don't really know why. I don't really like asking about comedians about comedy, but I have to ask: What made you want to begin? Oh, that's kind of an interesting thing because I was a professional musician for years i was actually a, a royal college trained jazz drummer and that's what i did for a long time oh i did it to impress women uh, yes. which was a terrible move because no women like jazz drummers it was a fucking nightmare <laughs> so i thought to myself right um after one of my last bands kind of dissolved a little bit just because of personal commitments you know we're all still good friends i just thought like i want to do something in entertainment but i'm not serious enough to be a singer songwriter yeah and comedy had always been outside of music, like my absolute first love. You know, I got like an encyclopedic knowledge of old comedy shows and stuff. And um, it was just kind of a happy accident. I'd, yeah. been, I'd been chatting to a friend of mine for a while about how I was really keen to give it a go. And I thought I'd be good at it. And we went to see a show at Sutton Football Club. Uh, who, was, who, was, who was on it? Oh, who's that guy, that Australian bloke who uh, does the heavy metal jokes? Ah, oh, Steve. He's gone, a bit, he's gone a bit bonkers of late. He's is a bit into his conspiracy theories now. Oh, is it? Um, I know who you mean. Yeah, yeah. But it's he was, uh, he was headlining. Can I ask? Um, uh, he does the thing about. Um, he does the uh, the best gay joke. That even. Yes. Ah, oh, yeah. Steve. Yeah, um, Steve. Something. So he was on, and uh, my friend brought me down, and he knew the host, and he said to the host, "You know, it'd be really funny. Second half, just introduce Sam. We won't tell him." Oh, and no. it was like a full football club, you know, 300 odd people in attendance. And uh, they thought I was just going to go, oh, no. And then it would be a <laughs> funny joke. But he introduced me and I just went, oh, I didn't. And I kind of <laughs> leapt up and did some jokes. How'd it go? 
Uh, I think I got one laugh. Oh, that's all you need. And then I drank someone's drink because I was nervous <laughs> and I didn't have a drink on stage. So I like left off, leapt off the stage and drank this guy's drink in the front row. So, bre- so you were uh, you were commanded. You were a commanding presence. I was, yeah. And uh, I got to sit backstage at the end and hang out with all the comedians. And I was oh. like, oh yeah, this is me now. I'm so you hung this. out with Steve Watson's name. Yeah, yeah. And there was a couple of other, it was all like pros and semi pros. It was quite a big gig. It was oh. a weird, weird start. But then. You know, I've always been lucky, I think, in that I've never really been nervous about being on stage because I played music, as I said, for years and years and years. Mm. And I think that's half the battle. Do you think there's something to it, that something to the saying, that um, every comedian wants to be a songwriter and every song and every musician... Oh, no. Every comedian wants to be a musician. Yeah. And every musician wants to be, wants to be a I comedian. think that's definitely the case because I think, you know, musicians, they get all the you know they get taken very seriously and people yeah. really respect what they do but they're never allowed to be fun unless funny. it's like on an interview or something yeah like yeah that. but even then there's kind of an you know with certain bands there's definitely an assumption that they're going to be very serious and talk about the songwriting yeah, yeah, talk yeah. about the theory behind it all the meaning of the lyrics yeah whereas i think a lot of comedians would love to be taken that seriously do you know what I mean? yeah <laughs> have you have you um have you listened or i say listened to because you know that's the kind of person i am have you listened to any of Corey taylor's books uh, no, but very, I'm, I'm a, a fan of his. I do very, like him. I would highly recommend it. I'd very, very highly recommend it. He's a little look. Very, inter- very interesting guy and b- fucking hilarious. Yeah, like for a guy that went for. I mean, you can't like Slipknot are ridiculous. Mm. They are ridiculous, and like he is a very funny. He's a very funny guy. Oh, nice. I have to give that a little look. Yeah, do it. He's got a few. He's got a few books out, so I'd highly recommend. I like mm. promoting other people. I like promoting other people's things. Just. <laughs> Can't promote my own stuff, but <laughs> other people's who've got already got multi millions. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah, we it. can sell their stuff, no problem. Yeah. Oh yeah, brilliant. So speaking of spelling, speaking of spelling, speaking of spelling stuff. Speaking You're right, mate. Have you had a stroke? <laughs> 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 Only for the last thirty-three years. Yes. Um, so speaking of spe- speaking of selling stuff, mm. you just come off. This is just that you just come off your second tour. It's, I think, the fourth tour, if we're counting the, all of them. Yeah, because um, what I do is I, I work hard in London most of the year. Yeah. And then I do at least two months a year out in Europe and America. Okay. So I uh, I've, I've, I don't know how I've done it, but I've got a nice base out in America. There's a good set of clubs, especially in the Midwest, who are very happy to see me. Do you want to shout them out? Which ones? Oh, uh, there's a, a beautiful guy called Sean. Uh, I'm going to Comedy Underground, brand new club in Michigan. Okay. I was the first headliner at their new club. Oh, and it was one, of the, one of the best gigs I've ever done. Wicked. Um, obviously, the, the Laugh Factory is pretty good. Yeah. That was that was really fun. I did two two nights down there for this tour, so that was really great. Excellent. And uh, it's lovely because I go out to the States, and especially there's a small town called Carbondale where I shot one of my last specials. And when I go there, it's it's really nice because I'm a bit of a returning kind of oh. champion. They all they all come out to see me, and it's oh. super lovely. Um, and then I come back here, and my TV work counts for now. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> but I think you know the nice thing I've got in the states, which I don't have here, is that I'm very much like a weirder commodity. You know, like a long-haired working-class British guy. You know, they've never seen anything like me. They don't know what to make of it. And Whereas here, it's a bit more like... Yeah, we got a few of me knocking around, yeah, you know. I didn't want to say. <laughs> I didn't want to say. But yeah. you're not you're not alone, Sam. That's right, right yeah. So yeah, I found a nice little niche out in the States. And they're, they're beautiful tours. And, you know, the, the pay's good. And most of the venues out there have accommodation as well. So Okay, cool. They're just It's just beautiful to go. And I've got some real good connections out there now. So... 
yeah, I just kind of, I just kind of work away here, build up material, and then I go out to the states and film specials, and travel around a bit. I've got a couple of producers I work with out there. We made a TV pilot with them last year, so you know I get to do some fun stuff. It's really nice. How was so, okay? That's really interesting. I was going to bring that up. What, what? Because I'm someone who I'm, I'm in the early stages of script writing for some things as well, right? Mm. How did you go about getting the TV pilot made? Well, uh, for me, I always think it's just kind of pure determination. They start, as, as as I'm sure you know, any any idea always starts as just nothing, right? Yeah. Just two ideas, a bit of writing. Me and my writing partner, Sean, who you probably know, Sean Sellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we kind of, we write stuff together. Um, this producer out in the States helped me make my last special. Mm-hmm. And he sort of said, oh, I'd be interested in maybe investing a bit of money in, in making a TV pilot over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he loves British panel shows. Okay. So he sort of said to us, if you can put together a panel show, uh, we'll film it. And we, we did, you know, and, and the trick is, I think, because if you look at this thing as a whole thing, you think that's impossible. You know, yeah. we've got, you know, we had a pretty good budget, um, but then me and Sean were also the producers and doing all of the physical work as well as writing and performing in the thing. And if I had a chance to do it again, I would say, do not do all of those things. Because no. <laughs> the week before we filmed it, we were so burnt out. We were running these kind of um, uh, rehearsal shows leading up to the actual filming. And we just had nothing. It was just, it was so bad. Really? <laughs> like, oh, God, we've got this guy spending all this money and this is going to be terrible. So we had to like organize a day and hire extra help on the day so that we could get into the mindset that the recording could be good. I mean, I had to source the entire crowd. We would, <laughs> we had a, an agreement with a company that shall not be named <laughs> Fair enough. about, Fair. you know, uh, editing and sourcing the crowd for the day. It got mm. to two weeks before I said, how many people we got? And they said, oh, we got 20 people book tickets. I said, this is a 300 seater venue. We, you know, we can't have that. Ooh. So as well as doing all of the production work and all of the writing work and sorting out all the set building and stuff, I then also had to find 300 people to fill up this bench. And did you manage to do it? I did manage to do oh it. Yeah, God. I have no idea to this day how the fuck I did it, but I did it. You <laughs> well, know. you did it though, right? Yeah. yeah. And, I, I, you know, I just I called in every favour I had to get the crowd in for that. And um, it came out pretty nice. I mean, I wish I had more control of the edit is the one thing. That yeah. Because I, yeah, I, I think it's it's representative of what we were trying to do. Mm. Um, but our entertainment lawyer dropped dead just before oh, we were going to go and sell it. Yeah. No. Literally died of a heart attack while on the phone, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is not funny because a man has died, but yeah. like, it was definitely the sort of thing I'm like, of course this happened to us. You yeah, know? Yeah, like yeah. This is always the way it works. So it's kind of in a little bit of limbo at the moment. So we've got a production company with it, but we haven't got a lawyer to, uh, to, to broker any deals. To, yeah, exactly. At the moment. Yeah. And you kind of can't, I'm well, you, with, with you that cannot pitch anything without representation, like either through a production company or on your own. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, lawyers cost like a load of money. Yes. And we're all super busy is the other thing, you know. And yeah. like the producer out in the States, he also runs a wrestling federation. So he's oh. very busy with that, you know. Um, <laughs> of course, yeah. So yeah, it's like loads of fun, man. And we, we have a great time. It's, it's really good. What was the panel show about? What it, was, it was called Pitch Her This. And it was basically... Shooting stars meets never mind the buzzcocks, okay. but about movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we got Jerry Bakewell to be our George Dawes style character. Yeah, of course. For anyone who doesn't know, Jerry Bakewell is the greatest Yorkshire Mexican wrestler <laughs> ever to have lived. He's one of my favourite men in the world. I will never forget <laughs> gigging with him once and seeing him without the mask on for like oh, ten yeah. seconds. I was like, <gasps> well, you mustn't ever. 
see him without it's really important to him you know i like know i know we I know. hang out a lot you know and um he's ne he will never let you take a photo of him if if he's there without, you know, the, mask. without the mask yeah because he's he's kayfabe man he takes yeah. it seriously it's yeah great. i mean i don't think i'd ever recognize him without i got the mask. a huge amount of respect for that guy i think he's great he's he is fantastic yeah and like yeah he's one of those people which is just like a a comedy scene style a comedy scene style what and there's a few of them on here I mean, in, on well, in the British scene, and that God love them for it. Well, the fact that he isn't internationally famous, so I think, is always very sad because yeah. I think he's truly a completely unique um, entity, and I think he completely embodies what we're here to talk about today. I think so too. Which uh, is a very unique form of British comedy that, yes. that I think is just for or just from this country. Mm. You know? Yeah, I think. The Mighty Boosh is what we're talking about. The today. Mighty Boosh. Mighty Boosh. Um, created by Noel Fielding and Julian... Oh, Julian keep, Barrett, yeah. Julian ba I keep thinking Julian Clary, but <laughs> that's... That would, that be, would very, be a very different Very show. different. Very different show, darling. Very different show. <laughs> still fun. Uh, still funny, but... Yeah. A very, very... Yeah. Very different show. Um, yeah, so it's created by Julian Barrett and Noel Fielding and starring, but, and starring both of them as well and written by, written by them as yeah. well. And... It's just the most absurd thing. And it's one of those things that shouldn't have worked. Well, that's kind of what I like about it. I yeah. feel it was the very last bastion of this idea of, oh, here's something weird that seems to have a, a little kind of, you know, a real subculture attached to it. Let's see if we can push this into the mainstream. And I think they really do come from the very last batch of obscure, odd, scene-based things that will ever be allowed to be made. I just think... Um, now with TikTok and YouTube and the internet, people want a proof of concept before they'll try and make something like yeah. that. So the only thing I think in the past 15 years that came anything close to the tone of those shows is um, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. I've yeah, watched yeah. that. Uh, I haven't seen, I've seen the YouTube stuff, but I've not seen the Channel 4. Yeah, it's one of the most beautiful television shows ever made. It's just gorgeous. Thing. Is it terrifying? Is it? Slight? It's really scary, but it's also really funny. And I think yeah. that's a very, very hard mix to get. And I think the tone and feel of that owes so much to the Mighty Boosh. It owes a lot to the Mighty Boosh, but also owes a lot to the League of Gentlemen as well. Yeah, yeah. And also just this natural kind of British absurdism, which yes. I think is exclusively British because we do not talk about our feelings. No, we And don't. I think the reason we grew into absurdity rather than this kind of New York talking about your life is that it's considered a bit rude to be banging on about yourself. Yeah, it's, time, a, bit, it's it? a bit conceited. It is, yeah. You don't want to be telling everyone about you going to the therapist and st you want to no, talk no, no, about no, 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 no. like you a weird fish man who lives in the sea. <laughs> 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 That's much more our sort of vibe. Or you want to be hitting a, you want to be um, fighting a kangaroo. Exactly, you know, any of these sorts of things, and I, I think the absurdity <laughs> of it uh, is just what I love about it the most, because it just personifies for me everything that's good about British comedy. You know, going all the way back to like the Goon Show and things like that. You know, stuff that's like super duper absurd. Yeah. And as I said, it's because we don't have the New York comic talking about his wife. You know, we. We have well, we had well, we had we did have um, Bernard Manning mm. and his mother and his mother-in-law, <laughs> my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law. Yeah, we had a bit of that, but um, you but know, not any, but not anymore, and that kind of died out exactly, and not to the level that the absurdist stuff kind of reached. Because if you look at when people talk about the best British comedy, yeah, 
quite often it's got a real absurdist bent to it. You know, even our sitcoms that are more mainstream, they like still... Like The Office or... Yeah, the, uh, I was actually thinking even real big mainstream stuff, like um, stuff like Only Fools and Horses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll occasionally dip their toe into, you know, absurdist. them dressed as Batman and Robin, for yeah. example. You know, something really silly. And even stuff like the IT crowd, that kind of carries that absurdist thing oh, through. And also Not Going Out has its moment. Have, exactly, have, yeah, yeah. have you seen Not Going Out? Yeah, very, yeah. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think there's something really nice about the unnatural nature of it. We're not yes. looking at a group of people in their real life. No. We're looking at something that's fun and different to yes. our real life. And we like it because it's absurd. And I also think that people absolutely shit on stuff like the Mighty Boosh because they go, oh, they just say badger and are weird. But like true absurdism done well is almost impossible to fake. Yeah. Like you can't pretend to do that you have to kind of think like that you yeah. know i've never heard anyone shit on the mighty booster that's oh right. really like when it no, was when no. it was out there was a, like uh mitchell and webb did a whole sketch about it and how stupid it is oh, but and they it also did. they also in their book wrote like a spoof mighty boosh <laughs> chapter and oh. uh years later they said yeah we we got this completely wrong yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's interesting though i remember because i used to like when i was in what sixth form slash year 11 i used to do a lot of mentor work with the younger with a lot of the younger year groups right mm. and i know and i knew of a kid who was about three years younger three years younger than me who i did a lot of work with right and he would he was going to be he he loved the he loved the mighty boosh yeah and he'd go and watch that he'd go and watch them on tour and stuff so and that would have been around about 2010 20 yeah 2009 2010 but i think that is the bit that i like the most is that yeah. it did also come with its own subculture it yeah very tied to kind of the goth and rock kind of i know this was th no no this was he was he's not a goth at all he is oh like, really he's like very much like into grime hip-hop oh like, that's very interesting yeah, yeah that's an, so it's an unusual combination it is yeah. but then i, I as, as someone who loves pop music and hip-hop grime and stuff i kind of gravitate towards that kind of that kind of mm. that kind of show as well because it is so out there so um against what not necessarily against but it's so opposite to what what i usually come across oh yeah definitely and i think you know i think it's one of those shows like it's kind of the, the tv equivalent of an artist like captain beefheart the yeah. first time you hear it you go what the hell is this stupid nonsense and the second time you go oh i think there's a there's something, to, something this. to this yeah. and the third time you hear it you go this is my favorite thing i've yeah. ever in experienced <laughs> and i think with the mighty boosh i just like saw that and i was like oh this is for me yeah there's a guy here making jokes about jazz guitarists from the <laughs> 70s in a bbc3 <laughs> comedy show and i was like oh okay there you can do it it and is I, very bbc3 though it's isn't very it? it's almost the epitome of what bbc3 kind of just became very very odd and mm. like because it because it had the it was very it was a bbc3 was a very big juxtaposition of itself because it had the weird it had those docu-series like um, yeah and all like the teen drama stuff as well yeah and mm. it had and then it had two pints of lager yeah and then it had this yes so it had literally something for everyone. It was a real mishmash. Well, like the Mighty Boosh. Yeah, and what's so nice about it? It was um, discovered by uh, Alan Partridge. What? The Steve B Coogan. B BBC Three. No, no, no. Uh, the Mighty Boosh. Okay. So Coogan. <laughs> Coogan saw them at Edinburgh. Yeah. And he was like, "I love this," and he took it to the BBC, and they said, "Absolutely no way," <laughs> <laughs> because he was Steve Coogan. 
and he had a bit of sway. He, he kind of used his baby cow productions to fund the radio show. And then off the back of that, they were allowed to make the first season. Wicked. But it really is one of those beautiful things where at every point they were convinced there was never going to be a second season. There's never going to be a third season. There's never going to be a tour. No. You know, they were riding it right out to the end. And I think that's why it doesn't compromise at all. Yeah. I think they literally thought, we're probably only going to get to make six episodes of this. Let's just let's put everything just, in. Yeah, let's just make sure we we cram every weird and wonderful idea into it that we've got. And do you know what I quite like about it, right? It's so... like A lot of the jokes are bleeding obvious. Mm. But they still work. Like when he's in the boxing... When he's in the boxing ring, yeah? Yeah. And they're going through... And um, the, the uncle, Noel Fielding's uncle, goes and says, right... He can't. He can't fight any of our men. Let me find some. Let me find someone for him to like someone who's more of his weight class. Yeah. Right? And they're going through all the, all the all the men all the men in the in the boxing ring thing. That's gonna be one of them. It's a child. Yeah. And in my head, I'm thinking, it's either gonna be a child or it's gonna be a grandma. <laughs> so one of the two. Yeah. And it's a child. And it's still fu- it's still funny because he knocks the child out. Yeah. You can't fight. You're a Jacobean prince. (laughs) 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 All of these little little turns of phrase. Because that's the other thing is it it kind of gave me and my friends a little kind of lexicon, you know, like all of this stuff. As I said, like, I just really feel like it felt like our thing. And there was something about going to a party saying something weird and then someone else go like oh i know exactly what that's yeah from. Go, oh yeah we're this lies <laughs> lies from tiny eyes it's my <laughs> favorite one <laughs> the, the amount of weird phrases from that show that i still use all the time and as i said when i speak to my friends because i come from the the slightly pre-internet age where you just instead of sharing memes had to say whole bits of comedy yeah, sketches same, to yeah. each other same, same. <laughs> And that was definitely our one. Yeah. And I felt like I was kind of connected to the, the real birth of it as well, because my high school girlfriend was in a band with two guys who were in a band with Noel Fielding. Oh, okay. So and you were basically Noel Fielding's best friend. Oh, yeah. well, <laughs> <laughs> it was the weirdest thing because uh, they were aware of me, but we never got to hang out properly. Oh. That makes sense. So I, w- I went to a lot of the real early um shows i went to the first show of the very first tour at the new wimbledon theater okay and i sat at the back with matt berry and richard awadi watching it it was really cool and i i really felt you know like sometimes you feel like oh i'm witnessing the birth of something here this is going to be something people talk about and And then you were there for it i was there yeah and i i think it was really cool but noel fielding won't go anywhere near me now and i'll tell you this this there's a true weird story about me and noel fielding so basically I'd gone to see him do some stand-up in a tiny little club. Yeah. Um, he was working out some some solo stuff for something that he had coming up. Was it the... Uh, what, it might have even been live at the Apollo. Live at the Apollo, where he's yeah. being a bee. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, my brother was too young to come, and we were both enormous fans. And I said to him at the end of the show, like, oh, I'm really sorry to do this, mate, but, like, could you sign... Because they just released the, the radio show on CD. Yeah. And I said, oh, my brother couldn't come, and he loves the show. Could you uh, Could you sign... This one, he went, yeah, mate, of course. And he bent over on the table to sign the thing. And as he did, a woman walked in between me and him and grabbed his ass with both hands and then disappeared into the crowd. <laughs> so there's Noel Fielding bent over the table and there's me standing behind him and he just kind of looks back at me like, terrified. Oh, like, wasn't me, mate. Oh, no. And then after that, he was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go near Sam anymore. I've had a, <laughs> I've had a nice couple of chats with uh, Julian Barrett about 
Rush. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 70s prog band Rush, yeah. So we've gone from <laughs> you not feeling Noel Fielding's ass to you talking to Julian Barrett about Rush. Yeah, but just a little bit of Rush, you know. Just a little bit of Rush. We had a nice chat about a band called UK, <laughs> who are a very obscure, like, jazz fusion band from, <laughs> from the 70s. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's my sort of thing, you know. Oh, my day. But, yeah. I mean, as I said before, it shouldn't have worked. Well, that's, that's what I love about it so much. Yeah. Is it just feels like you get a different set of people five years earlier, five years later doing a similar thing, and it would be the worst thing in the world. Yes. It feels like it should be a children's TV show at points. You know, it's got a very weird thing. But it's got that lovely DIY love to it where they've kind of all built it for themselves, <laughs> you know, all the costumes. Like, Julian wrote all the music for the show, you know, the the original radio show they tried to record in a studio and they couldn't get it working so they convinced the bbc to let them take it to a small studio in shoreditch where they could just do it day after day after day and improvise it and make it and then julian edited the entire thing and did all the sound and all the music for the radio show wow and i just think that's that's great it's wonderful it's wonderful and you can tell it's made on a shoestring budget yeah but if you'd have given it any more, it wouldn't have worked as well. Well, that's right. You know, it's it's kind of the combination of all of those things. It's that beautiful thing where the limitation really made it into what it was and gave it that look. And the director, Paul King, who made the f most of those three seasons, and now also makes the, pa the Paddington movie. Paddington, and, and that's and right. And yeah. he's doing Wonka. That's exactly right. He's so not he's doing the third Paddington movie. He's producing it. Oh, really? He's, ri he's written. He's written it though. But you can see in Paddington, I think the the mighty Bush. It's still there. I think the 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 color palette of that, the the way the scenes transition. Well, it's because they're both two. Even though they're two technically very different things, right? And Paddington, I don't know if you've realised this, has a bit of a bigger budget than the yes. Mighty Bush. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but um, it's a as you said, it's a color palette. And also, there's a zaniness to Paddington. Well, that's exactly right. And I think y you can see that he's learned his craft doing that, and now he can take it into something really mainstream. And that's what I want to talk about the most about The Mighty Boosh, is how this weird television show from Britain has had this huge knock-on effect in, in what people do in comedy now and mm. what people are into. I really think it's like, if you look at anything on Adult Swim from the past 15 years, yeah, yeah. The Mighty Boosh... I think definitely has a seed in it. I mean, it. oh yeah. I mean, like if you look at Rick and Morty, or if you look Rick at Rick and Morty, definitely. Oh, if you look at um, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, the show, regular show, the cartoon yeah. they made that was actually pitched as it's the Mighty Boosh with the bird, and uh, <laughs> like they said, we want to make that in America with these two characters instead, and um, yeah, that style of British humor kind of crossed over into the Americas, and you can see how much all the directors and writers like it because they hire every single cast member from that show to yeah. be in their show. You was know. Noel Fielding in it at any point? Or? Noel Fielding's been in regular show, yeah, and he's yeah. done a load of... He was in Rick and Morty, and um, so have most of the guys from... Julian Barrett, I remember seeing Julian Barrett's name. In Rick Barrett was one of the knights of the, of yeah. the sun yeah. <laughs> in Rick and Morty. And yeah, they just get kind of pulled over... And, you, and I just think it's really great because obviously you see what Matt Berry's turned into now and he's effectively playing exactly the same character that he did in Dark Place and the Mighty Boosh. You yeah. Know? And these were seen by like 30 people and now <laughs> Matt Berry is the man who somehow managed to have my career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, right, when I was re-watching a bit of it, right, this is, the um, Mighty Boosh is basically 
Garth Marenghi's Dark Place meets Keenan and Cal. Yes, I think that's a really good way of doing it. They used to describe it as being an adult version of Rent-A-Ghost. That is how <laughs> they would do it. Like, they go on a wacky adventure every week, and they have to kind of solve a problem. They go on a, they go on a wacky adventure, but also, they the way they end the show, at least the way they ended the first episode, was with the camp with the um with the with the curtains coming down and the two actors yeah, coming back on. Coming out. Just like, like they would on King and Cow. Yeah, yeah. It's a real nice framing device. And I think it was good that they could put all the wacky stuff in what is effectively just a little hero's journey every week. You know? Yes. And it, it's really, really good writing. Uh it just looked like it would have been the funnest show in the world to work on, is what I always get from that, you know. It's just not like they just went, Yeah, we're doing that today. Exactly. And I think that there obviously was a script, but I think it was very much like this is what we need to say. We've just got to figure out a way to do it. Yeah. And if you listen to the radio show, that's basically the first season of the TV show, but as an audio thing. And you can hear how they've perfected the pattern between the radio show and the first season of the show, you know, because they've got the same, some of the same punchlines, but then much more interesting ways to get there after months and months and months of just talking through stuff. And I, I just think it's... As I said, I just think it's a sheer delight. Would I don't think there's an episode I don't like. So would you recommend that people what, listen to the radio show before they watch the TV show? No, I think I think start with season two. That's what I always say. I think season <laughs> two is where they really perfected the format. They knew exactly who the characters were. They had a slightly bigger budget than the first season, so it kind of is smoother. It looks less like a weird stage play. And also, all of them as as actors have gotten a little bit better as well. They yeah. kind of understand what they're doing a bit more. So yeah, there was a very much a bit of a oh no, oh look at this. Yes, there's but a lot then, of but a then lot then of gurning at the camera yeah. in the first season, <laughs> and they're a bit like we don't know how to make a sitcom. <laughs> but that's what makes it kind of beautiful, though. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think you know people who are too savvy don't make good things because they always do the obvious thing that they should do. Whereas if you don't know how to make it, you experiment and you end up with weird things. I was talking to people, someone the other day about, you know, everyone talks about the movie Evil Dead and how it looks really good. Most of the weird camera angles in that were born purely of the fact that they filmed it in a cabin. So mm. he had to try and fit everyone into the frame without being able to remove a wall or anything. So you get all these odd camera angles. Mm. And everyone went, oh, he's a genius, isn't he? How clever. And it's like, no, he was just, he's, you know, he's solving a problem. And it just, just so happens it looks really nice. Yeah, yeah, Sam Raimi was just making the best of what he did. And That's what he it. Had. And I think, I think the Mighty Boosh is a brilliant example of that. I think no one working on that had any TV experience at all. <laughs> you know, um, the set building, you can see how shoddy the sets are, but it gives it something <laughs> quite kind of delightful, you know. Um, it's like, it is very, like, part of it is very 70s, doctor, 60s, doctor. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. definitely got that, like, it's a cheap TV serial yeah. to it, which is really nice. And, of course, the fact that they're like, oh, you know, this is a show with a tiny budget where we're going to travel to different places in time and space all the time. Per episode, like, yeah. we can't use the same set that we used last week. <laughs> Got to build a whole new set because this this week we're going to monkey hell. <laughs> and they're like, all right, cool. And also the animation. Oh, the animation, yeah, and uh, just the mixed media aspect yeah. of it. The the songs, I always think the songs don't get nearly enough credit and love. The animation is beautiful, and once again, shoestring budget, but like Noel Fielding's got such a great eye for exactly like there is a look to his art. Oh yeah, he is an he is an artist. He's an amazing artist as yeah. well, and I thought I think he brings that vibe to the show exceptionally well. And with a lot of the costume design, he did the costume design, you know. Because he was just like, I've got a really specific idea of how these characters look. And I just think it's beautiful. I think it looks like, a, oh. as I said, I think it looks like an A-level 
play, <laughs> you know. Um, I think you're being very high, you're giving it very high praise. I, I just, I genuinely love it. I think, as I said, the second season is is where to start. I always say, have a little look at that, because that's got the real classic episodes. The first season's really nice, but they're learning, and the third season's really good, but they're tired. Yeah, so the second series... Second series... The second album's where they're at their best. That's exactly right. The third season's still got some absolutely brilliant episodes and jokes, but they'd kind of crested on the wave at that point, you know, and... um, Because at that point... He, uh, Fielding was doing Buzzcocks as well at the same time. They were they were both working on lots of stuff and their relationship was a bit strained at that point. And also Noel Fielding apparently had a little bit of a drugs problem. Uh, <laughs> so this apparently uh, really yes, uh, apparently so. But this alleg- allegedly. allegedly, we'll say allegedly, allegedly, ladies yeah. and gents. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it became harder to do. And I think Julian Barrett really didn't like the level of fame that it kind of allowed them after that second season so if you they were on like the jonathan ross show and julian barrett is like the worst guest ever Mm. because you can tell he's got no time for it he's not interested in in being on chat shows (laughs) you know he doesn't like that sort of thing you know that's what makes it fun though right and you can see what they wanted because uh julian barrett after that just went off to do some real high class comedy dramas yeah and Noel Fielding went to do Bake Off, so I yes. think they all got they all got what they wanted out of it. You but know. the thing is, he is. Have you watched him on Bake Off? Yeah, he is brilliant. Let's be honest, he's very he good. And the thing I thought was amazing is, like, I wish I could go back in time and place two bets. Right, one is that the guy who wrote and starred in The Mighty Boosh would be the lead presenter of the most mainstream <laughs> television show of all time. <laughs> and the second bet is, I go back oh. in time and bet that <laughs> Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails was going to win a. <laughs> he was going to win an Oscar for a Disney soundtrack. <laughs> you know, I'll have a vote on those things, please. Uh, you say, you say <laughs> I'll have a fiver on that. That'd be good. You say, you say it's the most, you say it's the most mainstream thing, right? But it is. It's still Bake Off is still a very constructed, weird thing in itself. I'm not at all gonna go with you in the fact that mainstream is uh bake-off is not mainstream i mean, it, I mean no, it, is. it is it is mainstream it is <laughs> but i'm saying that it is a strange beast because yes. you've got these these groups of people from different like from from various walks of life trapped essentially in a tent <laughs> being <laughs> being shouted at by poor holly, by yeah. poor well, holly I, I love noel fielding's weird presenter face where yeah. he kind of walks around with his hands behind his back as if he wants to go like oh this trifle looks like a magical elephant <laughs> from the moon but he has to go oh yes that's a nice <laughs> you've made. you know he has to be really reserved and but then again really reserved for Mark noel fielding is <laughs> out of this fucking world for yeah, everyone else that's true yeah so he's still allowed to be as weird as possible it's nice i think it's i think it's it's so interesting because it always happens with good subcultures yeah. they become the mainstream i mean just look at metallica now like the idea that metallica are the biggest band on the planet would be cr- crazy unthinkable to think of in 1984 do you know what i mean and it's just if something is good and it goes on long enough then people people get into it you know somehow it. somewhere steve mclean has heard that and he's just he's punching the wall <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i yeah I, I just can't sing its praises enough i mean it, it really is it's probably that shooting stars and south park are yeah. the main influences on my own comedy i think those are i think honestly those have the biggest influences on almost everything yeah as i think you as i think you said you said previously but 
it's I've got a question for you, and I asked this question for uh, well to everyone, mm. right? If say the BBC have given you hundred million, hundred million quid, right? Yeah. And you can't say no to this. How would you? Re- and you have to do it, right? How would you remake the Mighty Bush? I know what I'd do. Okay, so if I had to remake the Mighty Bush, I'd have Julian and um, Noel being the new owners of the zoo who do the yeah, office yeah, job. Yeah. And they don't go on crazy adventures anymore. <laughs> they're like grown-ups now, you know, yeah. and they're serious businessmen. And then two young, weird... Are they, are they, are they wearing shirts? Which they wear shirts, shirts and suits. Too, they're too tight for them. Yes, that's right. They're Bob yeah. Fossil for the thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah. They're now the owners. They've, they've lost their... They've lost their way. They don't dream anymore. They don't oh. adventure anymore. They just have to work. <laughs> and then they hire two young zookeepers who are like analogies for them. And they should be the weirdest alternative comedians you can possibly find. One is nice. Mr. Spooky, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> like people who you'd just be like, I'm not, that guy's never getting on the telly in a million <laughs> years. You find the two that nobody wants to see on television and you make the show about them. And you have the two original guys like overseeing it. So Mr. S- Mr. Spooky, and um, shall we go with? Do you know uh, Beck Turner? Uh, yeah, Rebecca Rebecca Turner's who I'm thinking of. Is I it? think it's do you Chainsaw know, Masaka is her show. It's I very, think very good. I think I think I've seen. It. I think I think yeah. so. But Rebecca, anyway. Yeah. Rebecca, I apologise if I got your last name wrong. I'm sure it'll come to me at the end of the day. I know too many Rebeccas. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd have th- you'd have those two yeah. as the uh, or Leslie Leslie Ewan Burgess yes! would be like perfect. If yes! I was going to do it, it would be her yes. adventures. But she wouldn't be able to contain herself because she's a bigger fan of it than me. <laughs> <laughs> if she got to spend any time with them, she'd just melt. I think she'd explode. Uh, <laughs> so we've got the stars. Who? Else, how else would you? What else would you do? Well, I think I think you could. Um, you could revisit some of the worlds that they set up because if yeah. there's one criticism that I would level at the Mighty Boosh is that every episode they go to these amazing places that yeah. could have hundreds of stories <laughs> and they just do one <laughs> tiny thing and then they never go back to that place ever <laughs> again. And I just think usually if I watch a sitcom that runs for years and it becomes formulaic, I hate it. Yeah. But I think a new series of the Mighty Boosh with new characters visiting those worlds and those places, maybe one extra story from each place. Wouldn't go amiss. No, I think we could definitely squeeze one <laughs> or two stories out of these. Okay. I listened to your episode about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Did you? Day, oh, yeah, Mary Martin. I, I, I thought it was very interesting. Thank you. I, I, mean, th- I think the, the reason I bring it up is because the Mighty Boosh represents what I love about a British sitcom and... Even though Brooklyn Nine-Nine is really good, it, it represents what I hate about an American sitcom. Okay, go on. Because Holt in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, every episode at the beginning says, I'm very stern. I never change who I am. I never compromise or help anybody if it's not in the law. And then at the end of the episode, he does exactly that. Yeah. So in theory, if that was a real person, yeah. you would completely lose respect for him in about four episodes. But at the same, Because you'd know you're a flip-flopper. You don't keep to your word. <laughs> Every week you say, I'm going to be stern and follow the law. And then at the end of the day, you go, actually, I'm not. <laughs> but <laughs> I, get, I, I, get, I, I get that. But with sitcom characters, and I think I've said this a few times, right? Sitcom characters are only allowed to grow so much. Oh yeah, totally. And they've got like it's the fi- like it's the Phil Dunphy thing. You know, if have you watched Modern Family? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's character in there called Phil, and he's like a goofy dad. There's a goofy dad, right? Yeah. And like at the end of every ep- at the end of every episode, he learns he learns a story, he learns a life lesson. Mm. But then because it's Modern Family and because of the character, they want to keep the character. It has to reset. Same. Yeah. It has to reset to an extent. So they can only grow so much. Well, it's one of the things I do like about the Mighty Boosh is each episode of that doesn't rely on you knowing anything about any previous episodes. Yeah. But they still don't hug or learn. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's the Seinfeld no, no hugging, no learning. And I'm yeah. really into that. I, yeah. I think, once again, that's a very British thing. We don't have... I talk about this all the time. Like, the difference between the end of a British sitcom and the end of an American sitcom is like chalk and cheese. Yeah. When the American sitcoms end... Everybody gets what they want. Their life is perfect. They've they've transcended whatever it was. And in those last three or four episodes, their dreams come true. But in a British sitcom, they either just finish with no resolution at all, or it's worse for them. (laughs) (laughs) Peep show, at the end of Peep Show, their lives are a fucking mess. You know, and, then, and they're just looking at each other stuck together forever <laughs> you know and there's no american show ever that would have a final episode like that no of course know. not they've got to ha- they've got to have the resolution they've got to have everyone's ev- got to get their dreams everyone's they've got, got to get they've everything they ever wanted exactly monica and channel have got to have the ba- got, well monica and channel have got to have the babies yeah. rest in peace matthew perry um They've got, um, you know, uh, what you call it? Fraser's got to get his. Fraser's got to get a new show. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You're right, though. You are right. Well, I don't. I can't think of a of a British show where it's just. Most of the ones I've seen have just ended with them just being the same. Yeah. Like at the end of My Family, Ben and Susan, they are still husband and wife. They bicker bicker with each other. Mm. I think I think because it's a little bit more realistic. Yeah, maybe a little bit. And I always say there's a huge difference in how Americans raise their kids and how Brits raise their kids. Americans say you can be whatever you want. You can be president. You can be an astronaut. You know, you're a genius. You're great. But a British family will tell you, "Oi, learn a trade. No one yeah. gives a shit about you. Get out to work. Earn some money. Exactly. So get I a think third, get a third, get forty k a year. That's right. So I think our sitcom writing kind of parallels that it was stephen fry i think who said like the way to sum it up is in that scene in um ah oh, what is it called uh the the college th- uh one from the 70s there's a bit where jim belushi grabs a guy's guitar oh animal house animal house yeah and he grabs the guitar and he breaks the guitar and he says uh in the american show the guy breaking the guitar is the hero and in the british show it's the guy whose guitar is broken it's the hero <laughs> he's the guy you're following because it's not fun to see someone succeed and be boastful we want to <laughs> see people fail yes. <laughs> we're quite we're quite kind of uh tied to this and you see it in america because like when i go to the states i sell a load of merch mm. and i thought to myself wow why does nobody sell merch in england so i got because some no one printed. gives a shit no one cares no one wants to help you no nope. no one's going to give up no one's going to give up their money to buy a t-shirt to keep you on the road they don't give a shit you should have a proper job like they do (laughs) (laughs) so basically what i'm saying ladies and gents is i've got quite a lot of beautiful sam Rhodes comedy explosion (laughs) t-shirts ready to go send me a message i'll send you one right (laughs) how long have we done how long have we done sorry how long have we done 42 minutes minutes. we'll we'll keep keep. if you're enjoying this we can keep fucking loving this great I'm genuinely loving this. <laughs> Wasn't there meant to be talk of a Mighty Bruce movie at some point? I think there was an awful lot of stuff that they were trying to do. But as I said, I think the relationship's very strained now. Yeah. And I think it's very hard to... Because Julian Barrett was asked really recently, oh, would you get back and do any new stuff? And he said, uh, I think I'd be ready to start 
making things again when Noel stops baking cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was but funny, it's, 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 but it's, isn't it's, good for rebuilding the relationship. It's not good for rebuilding the relationship. It also shows that he's not watching the show because Noel clearly doesn't yeah, yeah. make any cakes. <laughs> but as I said, I think he's got genuine contempt for that sort of show busy oh. behaviour. But I, I, to be honest, do not want it. This no. is the weird thing because whenever they bring stuff back, it's always a shadow of its former Did self. Did you see the League of Gentlemen movie? I thought that was okay. I haven't seen it. I've seen. I remember seeing a trailer when I went to watch the Amitable Horror remake. The little, the little we've got to apologise about things we said twenty years ago miniseries they did was pretty good. To be fair, really, the very last thing they did, yeah, wasn't Papa Lazaro in that one as well? Yeah, they've they've they kept Papa Lazaro in it. Good, yeah, good. Well, yeah. this is another thing we can talk about with the Mighty Boosh. Do you There's think it could be made? As it was today, as it was last, as it was. Well, it's a very interesting thing because um, I'm sure you remember a couple of years ago there was a big thing about like blackface in, I remember in this. older things. It was yes. a it was a big talking point for a little while, and um, you know there was kind of a blanket removal of some episodes of TV shows. Yes, and the uh, League of Gentlemen got hit for Papa Lazaro, and the Mighty Boosh got yeah. hit because they have the spirit of jazz. Yes, the spirit of jazz is a demon. <laughs> And I would argue Papa Lazaro is a monster. Oh, uh, yes. They are not playing black characters as white people. Well, Papa Lazaro, that's a different story because I've listened, I've seen them interview. But isn't he supposed to be a spoof of the old um, minstrel show? No, he's actually based on uh actual landlord they had. <laughs> so that's a bit more it's a bit more uh, yeah. mm, interesting yeah a yeah. bit more interesting a bit more interesting there but did he wear the black makeup <laughs> and the top hat hello Dave I've come to collect your rent <laughs> um, no he, he was just black oh. <laughs> Oh, I'll take the Papa Lazaro bomb back then. In that case, <laughs> I, I, feel, like, I, I can't believe. I, do you know what? I still find Papa Lazaro funny. I think it's brilliant. And the thing is, I, I like what they've done with a lot of these shows where they yeah. put the thing up at the beginning and just says, "Hey, this was made back in the day. This was made a while ago." You know, because I think that people aren't. I don't think anyone has ever seen a blackface character and gone, "Do you know what? I'm racist now." Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever done that <laughs> because we are mature adults. Yeah, and I think we can all look at stuff. And it is important, I think, to have comedy that sometimes pushes the boundaries a little yeah, bit. exactly. And I try and explain to people all the time, you know, people get annoyed at someone like, um, I don't know, some of the big American comics who, for some reason, are billionaires who can't shut up about the trans issue, for example. So, like, yeah, name, name. Yeah, uh, Dave name, Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the thing is, I don't think, A, I don't think Dave Chappelle means a word he says. B, I think that, he is being a wrestling baddie. Every yeah. time he says this thing, people throw him another yeah. million or two dollars. Like, and also, uh, have you have you watched the le the the latest Dave Chappelle? Special? I thought it was very lazy. I mean, I'm a huge fan of him, but yeah, because I really do believe that if a joke is good enough. You can joke about anything, but yeah. if you're going to pick a topic as difficult as that, it better be the best damn joke I've ever heard. You see, I didn't think, I genuinely didn't think it was lazy. I, I thought the special before the last one was quite lazy. Mm. But Maybe I'm thinking of that one. It, no, I think, it yeah, I think no, I think you probably are thinking of the one I'm... It felt I very like. punching down. It felt very kind of mean. Is this the one about... Is this the one where he's talking about his friend who was trans? Yeah. You see, ah, uh, you see, that's the one that I yeah. quite like. I, th I, I think it's a very interesting thing because, as I said, I think we're all mature adults. Yeah. And 
people do not get annoyed at Eric Cartman because he says racist things. But because he's a we understand he's a, he's a yeah. character, yes. right? I think Dave Chappelle is a character when he's on stage. Dave Chappelle is not playing the Dave Chappelle who sits at his home on a Tuesday night. It's no. an exaggerated <laughs> version. And as I said, he and Ricky Gervais, they've seen that every time they say this thing, they get a huge amount of press, they get a huge amount of money. Yeah. The best way, if you don't disagree with them, A, make something better yourself. Yeah, Represent a group and make something and put it into the world, you know. It may not, you may not get to the arena yeah, no, level. No, exactly. But, but get... you know, we, we need, there are some really, really good trans acts that I think oh, deserve yeah. a much larger platform. And I think those guys are the way to do it. You... I think Darcy, Sil rest in peace, Darcy. Oh, Darcy was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I think Darcy needed, I think, but when, when Darcy, I think Darcy, well, Darcy dying is a tragedy, mm. but she, Darcy gave me, the time when, the first time I met Darcy, right? Um, didn't know her from Adam. That's pun in, no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. That was an interesting choice no, of yeah, words. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just what I say. I'm sorry. It's just, I, I know, I know. You carry no, on. But, yeah. Um, but didn't know Darcy, right? But when I came, when she came down, when she came downstairs, the first thing Darcy said to me was, "Do you want a cre Do you want a Kinder egg? I've got a Kinder egg." And I was like, <laughs> "Yes." So you're a delightful person. Get from, on the television. From what? From what? So from so from that moment on, I was like, "You can do whatever you want, love." Well, I think it's so interesting because I totally don't want people being shat on, and I'm a big time hippie. I've I've always been about everyone should be able to do whatever yeah. they want, and everyone should be able. But on on the same side, it's okay. As I said, I always bring up Eric Cartman because Eric yeah. Cartman is a horrible character, but he gets his comeuppance. Yeah. And this is how we can see these attitudes represented. We can have some jokes, but then we can be we can make our own minds up about the, the morality of said yeah. thing, you know. And I think this is the biggest issue now. People don't think about it as a performance. They think about it as a guy down the pub telling them this. Yeah, thing. they don't think about it as they don't think about it as well. As a as like a Mr. Burns character. Yes, exactly. The... Like they are wrestling baddies, yeah. and they know that every time they get a boo, every time they get a jeer, it just makes them stronger. And the more articles that are written about them, and the more they're accused of terrible things, the yeah. more they're going to do it because the more they're in the press. And I hate to say it, but it's like if you're being bullied at school, the worst thing that the bully can have is just, you don't give a shit. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's ninety percent of it. You know, it's like in Mad Men. Did you ever watch Mad Men? I it's on my list of things to do. Man, Mad Men's the best television show ever made. If you like drama, but there's I a do, bit I do. I love drama. There's a bit in that where he's kind of had this uh, like season long kind of competition with another guy at the office, mm. and they're in the lift together. And he says to him, um, "Do you know what, Don? I pity you. You're a sad man." And he just says to him, "Do you know what? I never think about you." <laughs> 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 and I've always thought that is the way to deal with with people like that you know you've that just got to not give them the time of day that's it because that kills them even more well it does and i always say if you want more interesting alternative stuff by more interesting and alternative people take your money out of your pocket and go and see something they've done or buy their radio show or buy their tv show give them some money and they can keep making it because exactly. if all you do is complain about them not being there but don't actually do anything about it then you're a dick because <laughs> netflix is going to keep paying the big bucks for, who, right, for, who, for whoever is in the zeitgeist. People throw money at Dave Chappelle like it's going out of fashion, right? And on some level, rightfully, because he is very exactly. good. He's at a what huge he does. celebrity and he's a great stand-up. Yeah. Know? So that's why he's getting all of that. And if you want to see 
more different types of people, more alternative people, vote with your wallet. Yeah. Like, literally, the only thing these companies care about is money. Yeah. And if they spend a load of money making a film, there was that brilliant sci-fi movie with the all-female cast, female director, and they made a huge... They said, this is what everyone's been telling us they want. We've made a movie. Sci-fi... Wait, when was it? It was really good. It was about five years ago. Sci-fi movie. Yeah, it's really, really... It's got Annihilation, it's called. Okay. Really, really good. Brilliant movie. And this was made in response to the film companies being told over and over again, this is what we want. Please make this sort yeah. of thing for us. They made it. No one Nobody went yeah. to see it. Nobody paid any money for it. And then they go, well, why don't you make female-led like, movies? It's a bit like the female Ghostbusters thing. Well, the worst thing about that is, like, it's just a shit movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing to do with the I've, fact they're women. It's to I've, do with the fact that they didn't write a script. They just I've, fucking improv I've, I've not seen it, so oh. I, can't, I can't comment. That made me so sad. Because as soon as you say, oh, that was a shit film because the editing was poor and it's just all improv instead of having any actual jokes. Yeah. Then everyone goes, oh, you're sexist. I'm like, no, I just thought it was shit. Like, I thought Barbie was amazing yeah, for Barbie's exactly great. the opposite reason. It's immensely well written. Like, it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. It's joke after joke after joke after joke. It's brilliant. And I thought for representation, that movie was outstanding. Oh, it was brilliant. Because I loved the fact that there was a transgender character in it. A trans Barbie, the, yeah. Yeah, and they do not have to mention it. The Did transgender character about? is a doctor. Yeah. And she's the doctor. And being a doctor is more important than all being of the a other trans, things. Being a exactly. Barbie, yeah. And I think this is beautiful. If we want to talk about sitcom writing, I have a bugbear. I have something that it's not go tied to the mic. Go for it, go for it, go for it. It's something that's really wound me up, right? I, as I said, I love representation in things. I want to see more different people because I do not want to see another show about a white guy trying to make it as a stand-up. I have fucking seen that show. 500 times. I'm done. You are living with that show. I'm living that show. (laughs) Never commission that show again. (laughs) Just stop trying to make that show. But what I do want to see is representation where people's sexuality or personal choices are not their only character trait. Mm. And I always use the example of in the in the in the in the 90s, they tried to put a load of gay characters in films, especially. And it's and so hilarious to try and watch them because they're trying really hard because they want to be inclusive. But literally, the only thing those gay characters ever say is, "I'm gay." But <laughs> the only the only time they kind of got it right, ironically, was Will and Grace. Yes, Will and Grace is a great example of doing it right. Frasier is a great example yeah, of doing yeah. it right. There, there's a lot of episodes of Frasier with gay characters where being gay is is only a tiny part of their thing. And I thought, wow, we've done a great job of moving away from this idea that gay characters just have to talk about being gay all the time. And now we have the new season of um, uh, Sex in the City. Have you I've, watched this? I have not watched, and I, I'm not proudly, but not proudly, but I have never seen an episode of Sex in the City. I should have come on here to talk about Sex in the City I mean, because I, I think we'll do, dude, we'll do it next we'll time. We'll do it next I, time because I've got the box there. Huh? Great. Well, but I've got to say, I think Sex in the City is one of the most beautiful examples of like a zeitgeist catching yeah. thing. You watch that, it's like a perfect encapsulation of what it is like to live in about 1994. <laughs> you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 90, 1998. No, no, yeah. Okay, yeah. So Sorry. maybe a little bit later. I mean, but... I've never seen an episode, but I know everything yes. about the show. <laughs> but basically, it's kind of great female characters with realistic uh, relationships. As I said, the gay characters in that are fantastic because they're super fun characters. They have lots to do, lots to say, and it just so happens they are gay, right? Yeah. Brilliant. The new episode of this, the new season of this show, And just like that. And just like that. I cannot emphasize enough how that show missed the mark. Okay. Because they put a trans character as one of the main characters. Great. Excellent work. But 
the only lines of dialogue this character ever has is correcting people um, and trying, telling I'm, them I'm, off. I'm a she. I'm yeah. She, yeah, yeah. And she is a horrible human being. Okay. Like, she has no redeeming features in the show. And I'm like, you've done this completely wrong. You should have just written the character almost genderless and give them fun things to do. Give them dialogue that's interesting. Give them places to go. Give them a reason to exist rather than just have them tell people off. And I thought, oh, we've come full circle. We've gone from the yeah. 90s where no one knew how to do it. We had a load of great shows with some real lovely representation. Yeah. 2000, 2010. And now we're back round to people. And here we go again. <laughs> yeah, here we, we go, go again. We got this character. And it's like you're trying, but you're not representing this subculture well but do you reckon because it's not they're not doing it well now give it about five years time well i just think it's a load of young writers working on this show and they have not learned the they've not learned how to address this sort of thing and they think that that having this character constantly it's tell people off it's is progressive. progressive but it's not no, it's, it's just not. it just makes this character not fun to be around but that's <laughs> because they see these kind of things on tiktok and they see these transgender influencers yeah, but I think doing like <laughs> correcting people constantly on TikTok and whatever else. As I said, we're all human beings and we can all experience stuff through the eyes of a different human being because, you know, outside of one or two little differences, we're largely exactly the same. We like yeah. the same things. We, you know, we enjoy the same entertainment. You know, like a bossy, horrible person is a bossy, horrible person no matter what their sexual orientation <laughs> is, you know. And a bossy, horrible person who's the star of a sitcom is not someone that we're going to want to no, watch. Like you can't, you couldn't watch Bob Bossel as a no, as, as, as a, a solo as a, thing. A, yeah, that would not work. No, <laughs> as a side character, he is great. Exactly, and I think that is. I'm just obsessed with kind of writing. Like I love. Do you know that Alien and Aliens were written without uh, genders? I remember hearing something about that. But so Ripley in the original script, it was never said whether any of the characters were going to be men or women. They just wrote them as people. And then, of course, it comes out and they say, oh, this is a great, strong female lead. And it's like, well, no, because she's making human choices that a human would make. It's yes. Regardless of that. And then in Aliens... Of course they, she goes back and saves the cat. Exactly, you know. Of course. She's going to save the cat. That's literally <laughs> literally the script writing book is called Save yeah, the Cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's got to do it. But... Um, Aliens, exactly the same. All of the Marines were written just with the last name. So they then just cast who they thought was interesting. And I think the film is infinitely better for it. And I don't understand why we have forgotten these pieces of progress that we made, mm. you know, 20 or 30 years ago. And there's a reason bigoted, horrible people think certain people are away. And it's because if they see them represented like that, they go, oh, that's exactly who that's I think how that they person are, yeah. is. And I think that's really sad because and people kind of forget that they project these shows are not necessarily just for the metropolitan and the metropolitan just like us. That is exactly they it. are for these shows. You need to be able to connect with the person who is from a ta from a from a um, a sleeper ta a sleeper train town. Yeah, who may not come into contact with someone like i don't know well yeah you're exactly right and uh, my argument would be is everybody in the world can relate to this idea that you've been in a long-term relationship you've grown old you've had an affair right yeah. people understand what this is right people understand how you would feel about this so the character that that's happened with can be anyone yeah or anything and the fact that they took che diaz and made her this awful awful person i just think is so sad <laughs> and also no one who's written that show has ever seen a stand-up comedy show before. Because <laughs> her job is that she's a stand-up comedian. Oh, no. And they keep calling it a comedy concert. 
I have never heard oh. anyone call that a stand-up show a comedy concert in my entire life. But is who's saying that? Is that just like that, all the characters that, that, that they that, talk about so going that, to it, see her? Is that um, <laughs> is that Sarah Jessica Parker's character saying that? They all say it when they talk about that, going to see Che. They say, Are "You coming to Che's comedy concert tonight?" But, but the thing is, no that one calls it a comedy concert. From, but from what I know about the show and from what I know about those characters, that is something that they would probably say because so they are weird. so. But they are they they do come across it from the outside looking in. I have obviously not seen the show you yet. Watch it, man, it's great. I, I really want. I really will. And the next time I have you on, because that yeah. will happen, we'll have a chat We are going to talk about Sex and the City. City. Just yeah. be two blokes talking Just about Just two guys talking about how it's the best. It's one of the best comedy dramas ever written. I, um, I adore it. I I'm really looking, do. I'm really looking forward. To, uh, now that I've got a proper <laughs> reason to watch it, I'm really looking forward to it. But I'll just, I'll just tell you this very quickly. Like when yeah. Che does her comedy concert, yeah. she does it in a very, very, very well lit room without any darkness on the audience. And everyone is oh. standing. Everyone is standing up who is watching it. And they don't laugh in the entire bit. You literally see seven minutes of her doing stand up. They just applaud. Um, what? It's the weirdest representation of stand up comedy so I've ever seen. That sounds like that sounds like a Hannah Gadsby show. You, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm not seeing Hannah Gadsby, but no. I'm guessing. Yeah, she's all right. I'll I'll she's all right. Yeah. Um. Anyway, <laughs> time is back. Watch the Mighty Boosh. It's the most influential comedy show of all time. It is. It is. It's given us everything good in modern comedy. It really has. If um, you like any Adult Swim shows, it's because of the Mighty Boosh. Yeah. And we well, didn't even get into uh, Matt Berry's illustrious career since as well. Oh Just a no! Beautiful, beautiful man. Love him. We, again, once we, like so, we're gonna do Sex in the City. Yeah. Then we're gonna do Matt Berry's illustrious. Have to do Toast of London. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so that was absolutely fantastic. Man. Oh, brilliant! Well, thank you very much for having me. I've had a wonderful time. Could you look into that camera for me and tell people where they can find you on social media and other ways? That's a great idea. You can find me on social media. Everything I do is under the bracket of the Sam Rhodes Comedy Explosion. Woo! Woo! You can watch my two Amazon specials. One's called Americana Rama. And the other is called The Colossus of Rhodes. They're both available on Amazon. I made a special for BBC Three just before it went off air years and years and years ago. But that is my secret shame. Uh. That's my shouty alternative. That is me trying to do what if the Mighty Boosh, Stuart Lee and Alexi Sale were the same thing. And wow. I failed spectacularly. Are you so, going to be releasing that anytime soon? Well, it is available on my website via paywall. Okay. So literally, I'm, I have disown this thing so much that if you want to watch it you've got, you to, got to pay you've got to pay, got okay, to pay, for pay. I might, but I, I on might the website 15 quid you get all three specials that you can watch and download at your leisure oh. and that money obviously helps keep me on the road and keep me doing things not that brits care no exactly. yeah sam Rhodes ce or no. comedy explosion is what you need to search for Mate. find me and every thursday night come see me in in uh, tower bridge at the raven we run a beautiful weekly show with all sorts of weird and wonderful acts. We've got a very famous Russian comedian coming to headline tomorrow night. Ooh, who is uh, he's a very he's one of my one of my wife's big heroes, and he's just moved to London. So, oh, um, I mean, if I could remember his name, I would tell you. I mean, I mean, you're promoting you're promoting a comedian that's now in the past. Oh yeah, because this will be coming out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'd imagine, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Thursday, it's always free entry. It's always a free entry show. Uh, is, the that Raven. The bean, is that a beanbag show as well? Oh, the beanbag show is every third Thursday of the month. Come and throw a beanbag at acts. We don't have time to talk about what happened with that, but that was a fucking crazy period of my life. Ah, uh, no. That was, I, I remember that, and that was... A I was deemed the most evil promoter in all of London, which I enjoyed immensely. Yes, because do you know what I did? Wrestling baddie. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I literally do these videos as a Macho Sam Randy sandwich, <laughs> kind of calling people out 
who don't like the beanbag show because they're chickens. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I how personally you take negative so press and turn it into something good. <laughs> I personally think it's a good concept, but mate, I'm it's sold out every single month. We we've had every feet every seat filled since we started doing it. So. Third, it's almost like month. some people just want to throw things. At I know, and, and, and imagine you know there are some people who um, who are very sensitive about that sort of thing, yeah. and that's fine because I've I said when I started it, this is not for guys who do long poetic hours about their dad being dead. No, this is for guys who do silly one-liners, you know, and have a bit of a theatrical, silly Punch and Judy vibe to yeah. their show. <laughs> so come allow, come down to that, the Raven Tower Bridge every Thursday. Third Thursday of the month, the Beanbag Throw Show. Mate, thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome. My pleasure. Yeah, it was really great. Enjoyed Ooh. that. All right, see you and that's a podcast. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Mate, thank you so much. That was